This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. Nike. <laughs> I thought about letting that go for a while, but uh, yeah. I thought that was probably not a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> and, and now go, geez. You, you, Rob, you need to put an editor's note in here that this is the fifth time I've tried to say the sentence, but <laughs> the, the fates conspire against us. All right. Yeah. So, I think I would not have liked the Robin 80th as much if I hadn't read... You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. You like the Drake? I love the Drake. This is Cam Bowen, voice of Tim Drake on Young Justice, and you're listening to Everyone Loves the Drake. Hi, this is James Tynan IV, and I love the Drake. This is George Perez, and everybody likes the Drake, especially the kinks. Hi, this is Mark Wolfman, and everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. I'm your host, I don't even know what my name is. It's 10 o'clock, folks, so we're just going to get right into it. I'm your host, Rob Myers. Welcome to episode 109. We're celebrating the 80th anniversary of Robin, and this is the first 80th anniversary special that Terrence, Ryan, and myself are going to do for the show. We're on all social media platforms, thebatmanuniverse.net, Batman on Films, batmanpodcastnetwork.com, and primarily you can find us on Facebook and, of course, Twitter at ELTD Podcast. Like I said, Terrence and Ryan are here. Terrence, how are you doing today in North Carolina? I screwed that up last time. Got it right. Yeah, the bad Carolina. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I'm doing good. How are you doing, Rob? I'm doing well. And our other North Carolinian, uh, Ryan Haas, how are you? I'm okay. Uh, He's just just okay. I'm just okay. I think everybody's (laughs) just okay this week. If you're just okay, boy, you're ahead of the curve this week. That is right. So we need something uplifting, something bright to take us out of AR contagion coverage. Oh, (laughs) puns upon puns, Rob. Puns upon puns. It's going to start off very cheesy. Ten o'clock. 
<laughs> it's 10 o'clock. That's so just going to get crazy. And if you're out there, Pete Vera, we already know you're already having a couple, so we're trying to catch up with you. So we are talking about the 80th anniversary 100-page spectacular that just came out this past Wednesday. So it'll be about a week late from when you're hearing this. But, of course, the celebration of Robin that DC just put out. Hey, before we get into that, can I say something? That no. I, hey, oh, okay. All right. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well then. Wow, Rob, you get mean after ten o'clock. I do. I do. You're like a gremlin. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't feed them after ten. What is it? Don't feed them after midnight. And don't feed them after midnight. You're, you're good. You got a couple more hours to really turn into an ass. Yeah. So I'm trying to find it. Have I? I was looking up. Ryan and I haven't been on a podcast together um, since. Well, it aired Ever. in. Or it came out in November of 2019. So was that the hundredth? Been five months. No, it was um, Robin 25th. 25. Oh, that, oh, my dog's going for the court again. My it was the Robin seven. It was the Robin 70th anniversary. <laughs> yes, that's right. 70, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, have I had a chance on a podcast to uh, oh, congratulate it, oh, you did. on your? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm keep interrupting. I, I was just I was oh. just making a dumb joke. I was like, oh, it took it took a pandemic for all three of us to have <laughs> clear schedules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and not just in uh, contagion on uh, in real life. But I, right. I I can't remember now. I, I'm famous for like sending you guys texts and being like, hey, have we talked about this? And you're, you're like, yeah, last episode, Terrence. I'm like, oh, no. But I don't know if I congratulated Ryan on his uh, fitness and weight loss from. Oh. Uh, because I was trying to find, I found the picture you sent of you and Crypto, the the Wonder Dog. The I met Super Crypto. Dog. I met the yeah. real Crypto. Mm-hmm. Yes, because I went um, to I went to New York New York Comic Con last October. Was that October? So maybe I did. Maybe that was there's October. Like the, the last you didn't text. You didn't in t- a text, but I don't think it was on a show or anything. Yeah, because honestly, this is what really happened. Um, no joke here. I you sent us this picture of you and crypto, and I didn't recognize you. And I thought it was like honestly, you looked so good. I thought it was like just some guy who's on like the CW, some CW show. You look like a CW. <laughs> oh, oh man, no, what no a joke. compliment! And I was like, I was this like, is a crypto and his hot model. <laughs> kind of. I was like, why? Well, it's a little weird, Ryan. Is that Superboy? This picture <laughs> of this. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it's, it's a little weird. Ryan sending us this picture of this guy, this actor with this this dog. But I guess it's crypto. Maybe he could get a clear shot of just the dog. And then uh, I, I look back. I'm like, wait, that kind of looks like Ryan. I'm like, is this Ryan? Did he did he get in shape? And so then I think I texted you. I'm like, is that you? Did you you know? So congratulations on yeah, that. Yeah, and yeah, you look, yeah, yeah. You look like a CW guy now. Yeah. Oh man. Well, yeah, I don't like. Um, and I think we we talked about this. You were like, well, you don't. <laughs> really have that many pictures of yourself online that often so like the one yeah. or two i saw was what i remembered and then all of a sudden he texts us this picture of crypto and i was like what yeah, <laughs> yeah. so uh, this is all going to go to his head he's gonna start going on podcasts no. with his shirt off like oh God, yeah. podcast. I'm, I'm not i'm not there yet i'm not there yet but uh 75 pounds is no joke so wow. that's awesome that. meanwhile i got a treadmill in my living room i'm like man there's a lot of dust on this thing i need to get on it yeah (laughs) but we're not going to talk about my non-weight loss we're going to talk about (laughs) robin's 80th anniversary so did any of you did any of you like there's 12 people in the room did either of you get a chance (laughs) to read this beforehand or did you read it pretty much off the shelf uh, start with Ryan. Uh, I I had the opportunity to read it beforehand, being a, a, a person like uh, that that does things for Batman on film, and we get mm-hmm. access to comics early. But for this one, 
there's like a twofold thing. First, uh, there's other stuff going on this past week that, right. you know. And second, it is kind of a special issue. And for stuff like this, and um, I just wanted to, um, I wanted to get the hard copy, even though it was going to be hard to do. I mean, so. Right. So when this came out, so like we had we had some other BOF friends that read it, um, that when it came out and they were giving us um, you know some feedback and early thoughts and stuff. But I'm like, don't spoil it. Don't tell me everything that happens because because I wanted to read it. Um, I want to go to the store and pick it up. And even though there were some difficulties in doing that this week, um, I did it. I went to my comic store and I and I did get to get the uh the curbside comic book delivery uh thing going on. So uh that was fun. If you check out BOF's Instagram, I posted a picture of the two copies I got along with uh two of my favorite Robins in action figure form. Uh <laughs> so the covers I got I mean we'll get more into it, but uh, I got the uh, I got the 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 90s Drake cover and the 40s Jim Lee cover. I was trying to get the I think the 2010 cover with all the Robins on it is that 2010. Yes. Yep. Uh, but they didn't have that one, so I just got the two the two copies. But uh, but yeah, I I picked it up, physical copy. I I uh, tried to do it the most responsible way possible, so I could I could read it um, in my hands. So nice. That's what I did. Terrence, what about you? Well, I had this buddy named Dan who worked for DC Comics who was getting me all my comics for free. And <laughs> Jurgens? Oddly enough, uh, no, DiDio, but he just stopped Uh-oh. sending them to me a couple weeks ago. I don't know what happened. I'm going to have to give him a call and see what happened <laughs> with that. But, but no, I have no connections, no inside information. I have no way of getting it beforehand. So I, yeah. I just picked it up off the shelf like, uh, like everyone else. Yeah. A ditto, and I think just... Being the the podcast host, I was getting them for a while through uh, uh, the BatmanUniverse.net, which can still be done, but at least as far on my end, it's a little more tedious to try and get them. So I'm like, yeah, I just go back to getting them at my local quote-unquote shop, which I've said on the podcast before isn't a shop. I have a pull list service for them, a guy that used to own a comic book shop that now is doing – has a gym – where there's gymnastics going on. So because of everything going on in the country, that wasn't going on, but he's having Mm. um, like private lessons with one to two people at a a time from like safe distance and, you know, all that type of stuff, just so the girls or whoever are still want to work on some tumbling can still do that in a safe environment without being around X number of people. So usually the gym is cram packed, you know, when I go in to pick up comics and he'll, he's very kind of, he stops what he's doing, comes over, puts my books down and we'll do whatever. So I texted him like, are we still doing comics? If not, I said, it's just a comic book. We can let him pile up and I'll get them whenever he's like, no, you can come to the gym. So it was really weird being in the gym when there's normally like 60 to 70, 80 people in there, including parents watching, you know, their, their kids do all their stuff. And there was like four of us in this big, huge gymnasium and, uh, you know, he sat the books on the table, paid through PayPal, so there was no exchange of money. It's just really, really kind of bizarre. But I got uh, five covers, so I got the. I'm fucked, sucker, <laughs> sucker. So, so I got. So can you? I mean, the, so we need to talk about how the this event got split up into two weeks because originally this was supposed right. to come out last week when we had some other goodies that came out. Right. So last week uh, I picked up 
Because this guy, like Ryan said, this got sent back a week. So last week was supposed to be the whole thing. That's when some of us were lucky enough to get posters of the the 2010 variant cover as a big poster size. But Detective Comics reprint hey, number 38. In, some of us got posters. Yeah, so, some <laughs> of us. I didn't. Me. Not me. Yeah. <laughs> His initials sound like Terrence O'Neill. So Detective Comics 38 reprint came out. Then for the dollar comics. Batman 428, which is the death of Jason Todd, came out. And then our boy Tim got a reprint in the Dollar Comics of Robin Number 1 miniseries by, obviously, Chuck Dixon. So those came out, and it was supposed to be in tandem with the 80th anniversary issues, which got pushed back a week. So that's why some people were like, well, these weird random Robin reprints came out. That's why those were there. So the... Covers that I got, because I'm a sucker, um, I got the Jim Lee variant cover. I got the Tim Drake, the Stephanie Brown, the 2010 with all the Robins, and I got the blank variant, hopefully to take to conventions when those come back around again, to either get autographs and or sketches on the front and back of the cover. So that's why I end up doing that. I um, kind of wish maybe I'd have picked up like the Lee Weeks just for a reader copy, but I don't need to spend $60. 50 was was just enough. So that's <laughs> that's what I did. Let's just get right into it. We've, three of us have already kind of talked about the covers. Uh, Ryan and I did that on a previous episode, and then Terrence and I talked about the covers too. So I think we pretty much got the feel for what the covers are. You think you did. You don't know him like I do. He manipulates, pulls strings. Anything to get what he wants. I thought we had the same goals. Things change. I changed. The game's over, Batman. I quit. What's the matter? Lost the words. Expected more. I'm hurt. Joker sent me the film. I saw him kill you. Don't you dare lie to me! How long did you wait before replacing me, huh? A month? A week? I trusted you! Yeah! We did it! We aced him! I set him up, you take him out. One, two, huh, Batman? Ugh. You'll be fine. Of course I will. You train me. What's your name? Carrie. Carrie Kelly. Robin. Is this what you wore in training? It's what I wore when I went on patrol. The only thing it's missing is lace trim and a sun hat. Chicks dig the car. This is why Superman works alone. So let's get right into the first story that is written by Marv Wolfman, drawn by Tom Grummet with inks by Scott Hanna, and then other names that I'm probably going to butcher. But those are the, the big names on this first story. And right off the bat, I thought this started out really strong, like a very, I don't want to say paint by the numbers. It just felt like a very classic story right from the get go. And seeing Tom Grummet's name on the book, I was really hoping like, oh man, he's going to draw Tim Drake. And he's actually drawing a Dick Grayson Robin story. So before we get into the particulars of it, which is, the basic gist of the story is you find out it's, and again, spoilers, we're going to be talking about this in depth. By the time this issue, this podcast rather, has come out, I would assume most everybody is going to have read the issue. But you find out it's Dick Grayson's 18th birthday. He is, 
essentially a man now and Batman is kind of on him for maybe jumping the gun a little bit here. You know, you need to wait on my call and all these things and a little bit of pushing back and forth. And this off the mic, Terrence was talking about, you know, some things that maybe retconned or whatever. A lot of these stories take place in amongst other history aspects mm-hmm. of all of these characters. Like they're trying to fill in the gaps. Of yeah. Some of, and through, through multiple continuity shifts. And it's almost like you have to take your mind back and imagine that these slot into those continuities. So this almost feels like a little bit of a retcon and I will have to probably put an editor's note in later, but the issue, I think it was actually Jason Todd's first issue post crisis. And you will probably get a few of these in the episode, as I didn't have all the notes correct, bad podcaster. But the issue I'm talking about is June 1987, Batman, The New Adventures, as it was called back then. But Batman 408, it's the introduction of Jason Todd that you'll hear me say. And it's also when Dick Grayson is forced to leave being Robin. Okay, back to the show. of Dick Grayson getting shot by the Joker and essentially getting fired. Like, I don't want to rob it anymore. I mean, he gets, you know, Jason Todd, which seems like two hours later. This almost feels like a retcon to that story, that it's a mutual Dick leaving the cave. He realizes that the short shorts aren't working for him anymore. He needs to be his own man rather than there be this big falling out where it's like, screw you, Batman, I'm out of here, DC Universe Titans. This is more of a, this is my next logical step. So what did you guys think about the first story and other little aspects of this uh, that you uh, that you guys might like? Let's start with Ryan on this one. You hit the nail on the head when you said classic, because that's the first thing that I thought when mm-hmm. I started to read this, especially when you have somebody as storied as Marv Wolfman on the book. But the cool thing about this is that the first villain you see in this is uh, that they're fighting is Zaz. Mm-hmm. And traditionally, that is more of a 90s... You, st- you didn't really see him until we had Tim Drake, right? Like, right. You, Zaz wasn't really around even when Jason Todd was around, was he? No, he was created by um, Alan Grant, I believe. Right. Yeah, Grant right, Grayfogle. Yeah. Like in the 80s or something, probably, yeah. right? Late, late 80s, probably yeah. 88, 89. Pro- actually... Probably closer pushing to 90. Right. So at first, that's kind of weird, but when you think about it, it's kind of cool because this can be viewed as like the last Dick Grayson as Robin story. So to mm-hmm. have that natural, to have Zaz in there as like a natural bleeding point in terms of like, oh, this is a this is just at the edge of that, uh, his time as Robin. So it's kind of crossing over into the to the villains you would see with with later uh later people that inhibit that uh that mantle of robin right so like that i thought that was actually kind of a cool thing um to to actually put it in kind of a a timeline time frame kind of thing but uh but overall i thought the story had a cool setup a cool payoff a lot of them do in this book they they because they're all short they're all shorter stories so they can Mm -hmm. fit a bunch of them in this book um, and I, I thought the way it ended was, uh, was, uh, was kind of neat. Like how it, um, how Batman was kind of doing things on purpose 
yeah. because uh, he he knew full. I mean, the whole thing is like Batman knew full well what he was doing the whole time, and um, it's just part of the evolution of uh, of their characters and their relationship. Yeah, Terrence. Victor Zaz's first appearance was in 1992, Shadow of the mm. Bat number one. So Shadow wow. of the Bat, there you go. Oh, there. All right. I looked it up though. I didn't know that from memory, but I remember that story very clearly, and I I can't believe that that was. Uh, his first appearance because it had this really cool scene spoilers where like someone gets murdered and batman thinks zaz did it and they like know well he's got to have a fresh mark if he if he's the killer and batman like searches his whole body and can't find the mark and then batman leaves and zaz sits down and it's on the bottom of his foot and so i was i always thought that was cool so Overall, I think I would not have liked the Robin 80th as much if I hadn't read Detective Comics 1000 and Action Comics 1000 and Flash 750 and Wonder Woman 750 because those issues kind of informed me of what this would be like, knowing that it would be a whole bunch of short little stories out of continuity all over the different, you know, histories of DC, different times, different continuities, different eras of the the character. So from that going in, I, I knew what to expect. So this, I really liked it. My first thought was, was uh, Tom Grummet on the art. I'm like, no, don't waste him on a Dick Grayson story. I, he needs to be on Tim Drake. It needs to be Dixon and Grummet. But then after seeing the art, I really liked his take on uh, the Dick Grayson Robin. I loved his Batman in this. It was different than his Batman on the, the Robin 90s run. It was more like mm-hmm. kind of a uh, amalgamation of the 80s Batman with the 60s, with the, like, the Super Friends. So I really liked that. And I thought it was really pretty awesome that the very first story right out the gate has Robin in his pixie boots and the, the short shorts and the classic costume and has Batman with the oval and it's classic. It's not the, Hey, we're going to retcon it and put Dick Grayson in the original, um, Tim Drake suit from the start kind of thing. Or the new, the, the new 52 original. Yeah. Robin yeah. Thing. Yeah. I thought it was just awesome for the classic. So overall, I, I really liked this first story. And what I thought was really kind of not a, I was more shocked, I guess, was having the kid get shot right in the shoulder, like almost. Yeah, with bloody and everything. With I'm bloody like, and everything. I was like, holy crap. But it almost went back to like, wow, Batman was actually telling you to slow down. And Dick has that look and Grummet draws in really well of like, oh, my gosh, did I get this kid shot and has a nice little button put on it when he, you know, Dick makes mention to you know, say, hey, I like your shirt and all that stuff. When he's in the ambulance to say, oh, I got this shirt because yours was all sold out. I thought, oh, that's that was kind of a, a, a cool touch. But I was really surprised. Like, wow, right off the right off the bat, we got a kid shot in this, this first issue. But I thought it was really cool uh, to see. I had the same thought you did, Terrence, of like, wow, I can't believe we're wasting Grumman on a Dick Grayson story. And by the end of it, I I wanted a full issue of Grummet doing you know, this era of Dick Grayson Robin. So I really enjoyed it and getting to see you know, him do the disco collar nightwing right at the very end as he's draw or Dick's driving away from the Batcave or Batcave, excuse me, Wayne Manor. So I thought that was a really good way to open up this first story and uh I think that's a, a good mark to start off. That first story can grab you, especially when you know, okay, I've got, you know, 90 more pages to read. I hope the first story, or I hope the second story is as good as the first story. So, any other comments on Grummet's and uh, 
Wolfman's uh, first uh, story before we go into the next one. Yeah, you know what I really liked about it too is it kind of showed Batman as a parent, as like the father yeah. to Dick Grayson or Robin, and how sometimes as a parent you've got to kind of do what's good for the kid, even if it's the kid doesn't really quite realize it. Or you, you know, when they ask, "Oh, can I just have cookies for dinner?" and you have to say, "No, you got to eat some vegetables," and uh, you know, or I'm or deep you got that candy. I want candy, yeah. Daddy. No, exactly. No, no. Or sometimes you got to do some like psychological you know, like manipulation to, to kind of push them in the right direction. You know, Batman couldn't just say to, to Robin, <laughs> hey, it's time for you to, to go out on your own. It's time for you to leave. You know, he, you kind of have to do it in a little different way. So I really like that aspect of the, the story. So the second story is a name that we've been saying for quite a while on this podcast. And again, this was another name where I was like, all right, they're going to do this Robin 80th anniversary book. Surely we're going to get Chuck Dixon and Tom Grumman on a Robin story. We did, just not together. And knowing that I was trying to do some quick math that I think Chuck was on Robin longer than he was on any of the other books, including Detective Comics, which hmm. I can't remember if the Robin miniseries started before. First, before he got Detective, I think Detective might have actually been first, but probably not by much, mm-hmm. if I'm remembering correctly. So I thought that Robin mini Robin One was pretty early because they yeah. they had to go through Robin One, Two, and Three before they even started the the solo series. Yeah, but I was also wondering, like the solo series. Well, the miniseries predates Nightfall. And obviously, the solo yeah. series is during Nightfall, so yeah. I'll have to go back to probably another editor's note in here somewhere, folks. <laughs> but, uh, yep, another editor's note. Now, I think Terrence does say it in a little bit, but I think we kind of get it garbled, so I just wanted to give you the official word. Uh, yes, I was right, technically, if you count all four, if you count the three miniseries, Robin 1, Robin 2, Joker's Wild, Robin 3, Cry of the Huntress, and then the fourth volume is the Robin ongoing series. So Dixon was writing Robin longer than any of his other DC properties. So Robin Volume 1 miniseries, number one, came out on January 1991, and he didn't get Detective Comics till the following year of May of 1992, and that would be Detective Comics 644, and eventually he would pick up Catwoman, Birds of Prey, and Nightwing. So Dixon has more time writing Tim Drake than he does any of the other DC Universe characters. So, there we go. There's that. Now back to the show. Talk about continuity. The Dixon story, and that is drawn by uh, Scott McDaniels, which just was so cool to see him. Like, this is the this is the Nightwing book team back in. So, if we couldn't get Dixon yeah. on a Tim Drake story to get him on a Nightwing story, I was like, all right. So the story title is Aftershocks, and I should have said that the uh, Marv Wolfman story was called A Little Nudge, but we got Chuck Dixon, Scott McDaniel, and Rob Hunter doing the inks here, and this is set in the Cataclysm Aftershock storyline, which goes into No Man's Land, which I thought this was 
not a stroke of genius, but this was just something really cool. Rather than create something brand new, Dixon found a way to go, well, this might have been another adventure I was going to, to tell about Dick during my run on Nightwing, but I never got to do, so let's just revisit an aspect. And uh, I want to dig through the comics to see, is there a moment where this would have taken place? Oh, silly Rob, you do not read enough Chuck Dixon comics. You already know that answer. So, yes, there is a moment where this exactly takes place. Uh, you want to talk about a 20-year jump or more between continuity and stories that Dixon could put this right back in. So in April of 98, in issue 19 of Nightwing, when Cataclysm is going on, and it even says in this issue, uh, 100 Page Giant, that in the story, and I'm flipping through it here, I just sent a message to Terrence and Ryan while I'm editing this, uh, Dixon is so masterful of what he's doing. So as the event happens in Cataclysm, Nightwing is running out and helping as many people as he possibly can. So in the first few pages of Nightwing, you see all the devastation of the bridge falling apart. So by the time Dick gets home, gets suited up, he is heading back out into Gotham City through the harbor and passes by, you guessed it, the bridge. The bridge is down and he can normally take the bridge, but it is blocking his way to Bristol. And this is on page 10. So you get a shot of Nightwing in the Batboat zipping right by the bridge. So you would have to wait till 2020 of March to find out that at the end of 19, through the adventure that's going on here back in 1996, the last words Nightwing says is, happy endings aren't going to be easy to come by, just too tired to run. Let's see what else Gotham has in store. So then the next issue in Cataclysm is actually, I just closed the book, says Cataclysm continues in Batman 553. So then you're going to follow Batman in his book, but you don't really catch back up with Nightwing till a few issues later, till he's already done a bunch of other things. So this is where Dixon places this story in the 100 page giant. That is amazing that that little panel that they had of Nightwing needing to cross the bridge can't, has to take the boat around the bridge then decides, you know what, I'm going to turn Dick back to the bridge and let's see if there's anybody there that he can save. And we're just going to wait till 2020 to tell that story. Amazing. Okay, back to the show. But this is during the cataclysm that it hit Gotham City. And it's Nightwing trying to get to the Batcave or get to another part of Gotham City and happens upon this ambulance and a car that has been trapped down in the bottom part of looks like a, a taxi rather on the part of the bridge and nightwing is trying to get there to help rescue somebody in distress and takes care of the medic uh, she's about to fall grabs her fights some thugs while all this is going on you find out there's a woman in the car and much to the surprise of Nightwing, by the end of his story, that when he goes to catch up with uh, the woman back in the car, 
There are not just two of them in the car. There is now three. The woman in the car has now had a baby. And one of the reasons I believe that Ryan has put John Blake action figure up in his photo for Batman on film is the final panel was the medic saying, it's a boy. She wants to name him after you, referring to Nightwing. And what does Nightwing say, Ryan? Nightwing says, in no certain terms, he says... Robin works, right? So you can name the kid Robin. Ooh. Or John Blake. So I think in our Ooh, our text his, his back and name. forth, <laughs> did we just witness the birth of John? I like that name. John Blake. So Robin. You should, you should, yeah, Robin, <laughs> you should use it. So what did you guys think of Dixon revisiting Cataclysm for his story and just his Nightwing tale overall? Let's start with Terrence on this one. May 1992, was that before or after the first Robin miniseries? After. After, after right? Because that was Chuck Dixon's first Detective Comics, 644, okay. May 1992. So I thought that was after as well. It's got um, Tim Drake um, on the cover of Detective 644, Electric That's the, City uh, Part Electric 1. Electric City, yep. yep. Yeah. So... Um, Actually, I love this story. I was not a huge Nightwing fan. Uh, I didn't dislike it. I just wasn't reading that book like religiously. I'd pick it up here and there, crossovers. But when I saw the art and I saw you know Dixon and McDaniel back together again, it just I, I really liked it. It brought back like this feeling of when I was a kid and I would watch old timers games. You know, like the baseball, mm. the Yankees yeah. had the old timers games, and uh, you'd see these players come out like Joe DiMaggio and Mickey Mantle, and you know, you know they were like in their prime and they, they're catching a ground ball and throwing it to first or something. This wasn't going to make their highlight reel. It wasn't their greatest moment ever on a, a baseball field. But there's something just so cool about seeing them again, seeing them out there, and now that I'm older. And I'm seeing players that I saw, you know, as rookies come up and, and play their whole career. And then they're out there in old timers game again. You know, they, they don't run as fast and they can't, you know, quite get the ball and they can't that they, their hits not going to make, you know, their top 10 hits. But it's just awesome to see him again. And that's how I felt about a lot of this. These issues like I, I'm not going to say this is my favorite Nightwing story. It's not going to make the top 10. But it was awesome to see it. Awesome to see it again. McDaniel's draws like the fluid motion, fluidity there mm, go, of Nightwing mm-hmm. jumping around. The, it really highlights his, you know, acrobat um, background. So Dixon put a lot of that in this story, which just works perfectly. He wasn't trying to do too much with it, and had a great, great twist ending when when Nightwing first comes over to the vehicle and he says, "Oh, oh no, oh no, something like that." Or I thought it. The twist was going to be it was some kind of villain, like it was the Joker or some something, somebody we knew was in that vehicle. And for it to be a birth and for Nightwing to to be a part of that life um, starting was just a really great twist. And then I've heard people say you make your own continuity. So if you'd like to make your own continuity, that could be, you know, the start of something that leads into the movies, which is pretty cool. So, oh, yeah, again, I, I love this story. It was It was really fun to read. Ryan. Yeah, I think Terrence you you're absolutely right when it's like it's not the the best Chuck Dixon story ever, the best Scott McDaniel art ever or whatever, but it is so awesome to see them again and to see them writing a story again. And I think it works so well and he, Dixon 
like most of his stories, it's all character focused, character first. He nails Dick Grayson's personality and Nightwing, like you know, you know, effort, effortlessly as usual. And I really liked the uh, incorporation of all of the acrobatic stuff too. Um, and it really, the part that showed that off the most to me was when he ends up doing the the big swing with uh with the car you know over the through the bridge i'm like yeah oh, that's such like that. a that's like such an acrobat it's like all of his acrobat stuff plus what he's learned as a crime fighter with batman those are like two things coming together really well um i just thought that was really it was a it was a thing that shows that shows that through action rather than him just saying it out loud so those cool kind of character moments i think it's just a perfect blend of uh you know writing and comedy it's it's a perfect like little nugget of comic book storytelling i think that that dixon is so well suited to to deliver because th- those kind of things he can always make you know cool little set pieces and uh and of course the twist ending is just awesome you know i i had the same thought when they were you know he says you know name him robin i'm like oh maybe it's like a that's maybe like this is the the uh incontinuity John Blake, just like we've got like a like a, in, a, a semi incontinuity Carrie Kelly, mm-hmm. like maybe this could be the John Blake of, of 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 DC continuity or something like that. And so later on, you know, years from then, <laughs> and you know, Batman Beyond era, you're going to have like a <laughs> like a John Blake, John Blake or something. I loved that was my favorite sequence too of him taking the call the hook or for the for the crane jumping off with that in the dialogue with Dixon writes one thing's for sure this is probably going to hurt and probably scratch so thinking oh he's thinking the car and like no he's actually meaning himself so I thought that was that was really cool I I dug the story so like two for two right off the bat I thought man we're off to a a really good start and I liked the Terrence's analogy of like the old timers game you know like hey let's let's see if they still got it and uh, this isn't going to be the one like oh boy this this single story made the book it's it's a wonderful addition to the book and i'm glad uh dixon is on it and uh it, it would have felt it would have felt wrong if chuck wasn't part of this book so let's go into the third book devlin grayson written by Devin Grayson, and I'm reading backwards, and because uh, I want to say Dan Jurgens, Dan Jurgens didn't write this one; he drew this one. So I gotta say right off the back, if anybody, and probably only me, is still picking up the Walmart 100-page Giants, the Teen Titans book has turned into the Titans book, and Dan Jurgens is drawing and writing that book as he has been. Now it's far as the Titans, and this is the team that's in that book. So this instantly feels like, hey, this is another one of the 100-page giants. So I half wonder if this wasn't planned for a Walmart 100-page giant, because the news stories in there are not really long. It's usually one news story and then a bunch of you know reprints that are in there. So uh, the basic plot of this and... I'm trying to remember who it's the hive. So, which has been kind of a theme that uh, Jergens has been doing in the Walmart book that the hive is fighting the Titans. It's appearing to be a training exercise and the leader of the hive is pointing out like, why didn't you do this? And, you know, look, you let Tempest do this thing and you let Troya do this thing. And dehydrating agent is now buried in the bottom of the ocean. You mean to actually tell me it's hydrating. So the gag that is in this is all of these hive agents. I think I said Hydra once hive agents. I get my universes crossed up are all getting a lecture from the leader guy 
the one piece of relic that he manages to have a hold of, he's holding it up and says, well, I stole this from Star Labs while you guys were out distracting the Titans. I was able to get a hold of this thing. And one of the Hive agents takes a look at it and says, huh, only to find out it's actually, surprise, Dick Grayson underneath the mask. And while... Dick is ready to just walk out the front door that now that you've berated all of your henchmen, they're probably really not going to stop me anytime soon because they're all kind of ticked at you. So Dick walks right out the front door with the thing and uh, says, you might want to, I'm just spitballing here, but you ever thought about trying to build up your team by maybe ordering a pizza instead of yelling at them? So that was the, the rough synopsis of the Devlin Grayson and Dan Jurgens book. This one, I think, felt a little flat for me just because it felt more entry level. Like, I really, I would bet money this was part of the 100-page giant for Walmart, and they decided, hey, we're just going to throw that in here. So this is kind of a throwaway. It's not setting the world on fire. This, I feel like this would have been on the back of a box of Pop-Tarts in the eighties, like just this real basic paint by number story, just to give you something to read while you're eating your bowl of cereal, you hop on the bus and you go to school. So uh, what did you guys have for this one? Let's start with Ryan on this one. Uh, yeah. So I, I thought I'm pretty much right on the, the same wavelength as you, Rob, as soon as I got into this and it was, as soon as it was like Titans, I just kind of started to tune out just because I'm not a huge fan of, of, that group and that book and that those stories i'm just i mean yeah. i'm i'm an entry level titans fan i mean um i love teen titans and i like the titans tv show but the the titans comics and the titans like 100 page giant stuff is is just not something i'm really that's not that hasn't really grabbed me and as soon as i opened this i'm like well that, that, that looks like one of those 100 page giants so i just kind of was like okay well yeah. but what what where the story did get me is that it it uh it got me at the end when it was like, oh yeah, okay. So Nightwing was there the whole time, and the, you know that's like a cool like little little twist at the end. But it it did feel like deliberately retro eighties. Like you're right, like mm-hmm. on the back back of a cereal box or pop tarts or whatever. It it's totally fits that vibe. Um, it seems like that's got to be what they were going for, but because of that, it didn't really speak to the legacy of. Robin as much as I yeah. wanted it to in a 80th anniversary 100 page book and I was like man I'd rather have a, another story in here instead of this that that speaks more to the the anniversary nature of the character yeah uh, Terrence yeah I probably like this more than you guys did I was not a huge Titans fan until Rebirth I really liked the Titans Rebirth series, and this wasn't exactly from that continuity, but it was kind of similar. You know, it's it's hard to write a story when you only have eight or so pages <laughs> to write, and then to write a team book where you've got to, like, introduce all these characters. So I thought it was a, a clever way to do that, but it did seem a little out of place out of a, in a 80th Robin anniversary. Um I I would have liked to have seen more of the classic George Perez kind of Teen Titans as opposed to the Titans, but it's still yes. I I still liked it. Um, what I really liked about it though was seeing Dan Jurgens' art. Um, I know it says 
he does the layouts and Norm um, was it Norm Rapham does the Rep, finishes, yep. which I'm not really sure what exactly that entails. Who's doing what? But um, I, we haven't seen a lot of Dan Jurgens art. I didn't realize he was doing the Walmart books, but like he's been writing the Batman Beyond. He's wrote you know Action Comics um, Rebirth all the way up till Brian Michael Bendis took it away from him. Didn't, didn't, Even, he, didn't he do? Didn't he do a lot of art in that? Or he did a lot of art. He did at, actually, none of the art. He actually for it. he actually did a lot of art in that last arc of uh, Green Lanterns. He wrote yeah. and drew like that whole last ten issues or something. Oh, did he? Like that. And is did it, he draw he it? I know he was writing, writing it, but yeah, yeah he he's currently writing Nightwing too right now, right? Yeah, he yes. Rick, he's yeah. Rick Grayson. He and he's trying to fix. Actually, <sighs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Why, wasn't, why wasn't there a Rick Grayson story? In yeah, exactly. Well. <laughs> That's what I was going to talk about later, about what was not in the book. Uh, so I, I'd like to table that for a little while, but it was interesting. Okay. There was no Rick Grayson. He he did better with the Rick Grayson mess that he was handed with than a lot of other people could, but it was still a mess and it wasn't good. I I didn't realize he was drawing Green Lanterns, um, but that even that's been a while. But I love Dan Jurgen's art. I think it's like this great mix of you know the, the Silver Age with the 90s, and so to mm-hmm. see his art, I really liked and I thought this was a kind of a clever way to tell us who the Titans were, um, even though that does seem a little out of place in a Robin 80th anniversary book. But it is, mm-hmm. again, cool to get all original stories. I, I know Robin and Rob, I think you have this, Ryan, Mike, the 75th anniversary of Robin two years ago. Or two, hello, yeah. I can do math. Five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gosh, <laughs> two years ago when it was five years ago, that was all just reprints. So I would not say this was bad, but I wouldn't. I put it on the lower end of the um, stories in this collection. And yeah, speaking I'm of the low like end, it's... Tom King. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh. So our next book is Terrence segued us into that one is a Tom King story. So. I had a bitter taste in my mouth at the end of Forever Evil when we unmasked Nightwing, and now he's going to be an agent of Spiral, mm. and he's going to be agent 37, blah, 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 blah. Mm. But I had gone back every now and then. I'm like, I've got all these Grayson issues. I had to read a few of them. So I did read some of the Grayson issues, and it's I'm not going to say they're horrible. It just wasn't my cup of tea to read. But that being said... I actually don't mind this story. Again, this is part of Dick Grayson's history. It is his technical 80th anniversary. So getting this era of Dick is okay. Again, like we say with the Jurgens, I would have rather had another adventure of him as Robin doing something. But this wasn't bad. The long and the short of it is Grayson is with Paris and they're going around the world as they normally do on their spy missions and get caught up in a war going on with Gorilla City. And while they're fighting, Dick is constantly saying, okay, rule number one that I learned from my mentor. And Dick would put all these rules out that he learned from Batman and then apply them in a situation of you know what they're what they're going through, one of the rules. Uh, if I go to the first one, it says Batman says, "Planned everything, Robin. Know exactly where you're going to land." And 
Dick is going through all these scenarios with her until the very end when you know, the war with the Gorilla City is just about ready to start and Grayson and Paris are part of this war. You really aren't quite sure who they're going to be going after, which is really not the main part of it. But the last rule is that Batman tells Dick when he's Robin, this is ignore what your mentor, ignore your mentor, do what you do best, be Robin, which of course that turns into Grayson saying, you be the best Paris you can be, which is a nice little thing. You know, you can learn a lot from, from the people before you, but you've got to take all the stuff you've learned and turn it into work for yourself. And at the end of the day, maybe just be the best version of yourself. So I didn't mind the story. This, I think, would fit seamlessly right in to the Grayson series. The art is right on point. This this is one of the issues or stories in this book that looks like it was lifted right out of the Grayson series where I was doing some double takes. I'm like, have, have I read this already? Because the art just looks absolutely you know, on point from what it was in the art team is, I'm sorry, uh, Tom King and uh, Michael Jan, or Janin, if I'm saying that right. So the this is called the, the lesson plan for this one. So I didn't mind it. I'm not jumping up and down about it. I think for me, entertainment-wise, it is probably right on point with the previous Titans story. It's not the worst thing in the book. There's probably other things I would have rather had in it, but that being said, I, I didn't mind it. Uh, let's go to Ryan with this one. So... This this is written by Tim Seeley and Tom King, and you know, is whenever the whole Grayson thing, Agent Thirty Seven thing happened, I tuned out completely when that happened, and that was also in the time in the New Fifty Two where I I pretty much had just dropped everything except for Batman and Detective. I was just kind of like, oh, I, I was naturally mm-hmm. naturally had was kind of done with it and had tuned out a lot. And I think Terrence uh, has spoken to that a little bit too. I think we both kind of dropped out of a lot of books that around that time, um, just because it was like, well, it's not Robin. I don't really care to read mm-hmm. it because it's not what I want to read. But having said that, well, this and this story is also kind of like um, it's it's textbook Tom King also where it's like. Mm-hmm. Something's happening over and over again in the story, and you're not sure why, or you're not sure what they're getting at. And it's like a they're saying this thing, and then they're contradicting this thing, and then they do that again, repeat, 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 until you get to the end of the pay, of the story, and you're like, oh, well, that makes sense. Now I have to reread the whole thing over again, and now it makes <laughs> sense. Like that is like ninety eight percent of Tom King's stories, but uh, <laughs> but in this case, it. It kind of worked for me, just and and it worked for me in this context because I because of of that Batman and Robin con- connection. Like if it was just a Grayson story, I'd be like whatever. But because they had bat- the Batman and Robin flashbacks in there, I was like okay, I was I was down with it because same here. I'm like okay, that works. That works a lot, and um, it was cool to see each of those repeated points speak to something that that Batman would have taught Robin, you know, as they um, progress in their crime fighting careers. But it, but it was also like Batman teaching Robin how to be Batman, but it was also showing what Robin does differently and what Robin contributes to that partnership. And then what, how he uses what he learned when he's not Robin anymore. And I thought that was really clever and really cool and kind of earned its place in the book. 
But man, it got really weird at the end where I'm like, what, gorillas and army and what? It, it just got weird. <laughs> but uh, but in general, it was it was a cool concept and I think it, it worked. But still, it's like one of those things where it's like, we could have another Jason Todd story or another Tim Drake story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Instead well, of a, yet another, I mean, there's too much Dick Grayson in the book. But So before we get to Terrence, did are we led to believe that was Dick going to have sex with a gorilla <laughs> by uh because she's pulling him because the thing that i had to reread twice is she says to dick i'm through the eight pages i can't seem to get to it says i hope those words you wish to whispered to me were true so i was like what did he whisper to her and i can't find anywhere <clears throat> that he whispered anything and she's like leading him off and then it just looked like it's the next day. So I, it's it was really weird. Like, well, I mean, that the, the, bat, the bat. It's like you have to show me what your affections are. Batman says, "Never get attached. Never get personal. Feelings can betray your mission." And right. What's the, what's the opposite of that? So, yeah. like, I think that's <laughs> heavily insinuated there. Yeah. So, Terrence, what do you got now that I took this in a wrong turn? Yeah, like the highest praise ever for Tom King on this show. What was that <laughs> weird? What was that weird bus in one of those Chuck Dixon episodes? Oh, <laughs> the, the P wagon, <laughs> P wagon. Yeah. <laughs> then Quentin Tarantino stole from him for. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Or no, was it was it drug car or something like that? Drug mobile? Was it? Hmm. I think it's the first one. I think it's the was first one. Was it the first one? one? Okay. Yeah, I can't I'm, remember. I'm almost positive. Yeah. As I was saying, Rob, you, you the highest praise you've ever given Tom King on this show. Yeah, I didn't mind it. <laughs> but <laughs> but did Dick have sex with that red gorilla? Yeah, so yeah, yeah, I think he did. Again, just like Ryan said, I wasn't really reading comics. I wasn't reading Grayson except for the couple of issues that Rob made me read to do the, uh, what was that Robin War crossover series that we did? Robin War, yeah. Yeah, so that that was all I knew, and it looked like this look the art and everything looked like it came right from that run. So if you're a fan of that run, you've got it. But it seemed out of place for the 80th anniversary. That seems just like such a little blimp on the, um, you know, maybe a pimple on the butt of the Robin history. I guess it just doesn't seem like a big part of Robin. But uh, Tom King is a big name. And maybe this is how they got Tom King on the book to do these and revisit his run. And, you know, as Rob said, I didn't mind it. It wasn't, it wasn't that bad. And the flashbacks to Batman is what makes this story acceptable. But the, the next story, I'll let you segue into it, Rob. I like the next one a lot. <laughs> yeah. So I, I dug this one. So this is Jason Todd, the Red Hood in More Time, written by Judd Winnick and drawn by Dustin Nguyen, who is the only artist to have a variant cover out of this, which I also think is kind of weird. So knowing that he is doing a Jason Todd story, he chose for his variant cover to do a classic, like, psychedelic 1960s Robin which cover, which is very cool. It's one I thought about. But uh, this story, more time, it opens up with uh, Red Hood, uh, Sands the Red Hood, running across buildings, uh, racing somewhere. And that starts getting intermixed with a very young Jason Todd in the Batcave giving a present to Bruce Wayne on his birthday, which this is the second birthday story that 
is kind of in the book and it's a watch and the watch is Thomas Wayne's watch that stopped working. And Jason had spent a lot of time with some help from Alfred getting the pieces to get the watch to run right or what well, one, right? Elmer Fudd there run right. And they start talking about it needs to be wound. And if it doesn't wind, it doesn't tell time, right. And says by the end of it, well, you know, give it back to me. When I get it finished, I'll give it back to you at a later date. So enough time goes by that this is Jason racing to the Batmobile as the Red Hood to put the box back on, and it is the watch that is now repaired and is running correctly. And it is then paired back with Jason saying happy birthday, Bruce, as a young Robin and then as Red Hood. And the story, more time. So I thought this was a very cute story, a a really cool and just a real personal story. And that innocent moment that we really don't see a whole lot of with Jason Todd. And I've always loved Dustin Nguyen's art. I think it lends itself really well. Uh, the coloring is fantastic. And the way he draws Batman, I've, has, I've always thought was really cool. And his young uh, Dick Grayson looks, or Dick Grayson, excuse me, Jason Todd looks like it's almost in the style of Little Gotham, but not quite as overly, you know, stylized. But I thought this was a really cool story. Uh, Ryan, what did you think of this one? So Judd Winnick and Dustin Wynn, you can't really get better than that. That's a great combination, especially for a Jason Todd story. And I'm not counting pages. It felt like this was one of the shorter stories in the book. Are they all the same yeah. amount of pages, or is this just shorter? Is that I don't know. I I felt like this was shorter too. Not counting the you know the the computer like one shot one. It's eight pages. Eight pages. So, I think they're um, all about eight. All I think eight the pages. panel layout is so big. You only yeah. get like four panels per page. Yeah. But what's cool about that is as a as a kind of um natural break. I mean, it's one of the less wordy stories in the book, but that's cool because Jason Todd is a very um emotion emotionally based character. Like he's got intense emotions and intense um things that have happened to him in his life. And so the bigger panels and the smaller amount of dialogue really gets you into the emotional truth of the moments that it's showing you, you know, and it's quiet moments, you know, in the flashback and then more reflective, intense moments in the present day. And I thought that it, I thought that was a really cool way to, to put a story. And it kind of, again, in the continuity stuff, it kind of slots it in right in the middle of all the Red Hood stuff, too. You could, like, put that as a little coda, I guess, like, somewhere mm-hmm. in that story, right? In the original story. So it's cool. And there's some gorgeous artwork in there, just like that, the penultimate page right before the end of the story, like, where it shows Batman holding the watch, uh, looking up. Uh, that That's gorgeous. Like, this mm-hmm. whole story really... I'm not a big Jason Todd fan, but this story really worked for me. Terrence. Yeah, this was my favorite out of probably all the stories in the um, 80th anniversary. Uh, nice. Dustin Nguyen, uh, I just love his art. I think he's severely underrated as a Batman artist, and he's got to be in my like top three or four Batman artists. And his art is so good that I actually kept flipping back saying, like, are there, are there two artists? Because 
some of the Jason Todd as Robin, like his face and his facial expressions were were so different than present day stuff that I kept looking at like, wow, he did both of these. This is this is amazing. And I love Dustin's art, especially like the scene of Batman in modern time when he first finds the present. Like that just takes me right back to like the Paul Dini, you know, Streets of Gotham, Detective Comics, Heart of Hush run. Heart of Hush. I I love that. And um, man, insert this. I can't wait for that Paul Dini Batman omnibus. Yes. Yeah. I I was actually had a lot of tension when I was reading this because I was like, how is Batman going to react? Like, like it, 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 there's hardly any words, and I'm like, is Batman angry that he messed with his father's watch? Like, is he going to say something? You know, is he going to be, you know, the 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 jerk Batman that we've seen so many times? Like we've read where, how he talks to the Huntress, <laughs> and you know, he had these moments with Jason Todd and stuff, and and what is he going to do? And you know, Judd Winnick writes it so well. It's not over the top. He's not like crying and hugging him and stuff, but he's just like, thank you. Oh man, the juxtaposition of you know present day and modern day, especially the the last two panels when you know Jason Todd says "Happy Birthday, Bruce." It 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 was so good, and I think it it ties in so well to the next story because in the next story, um, just to steal your thunder, Rob here, the segues go for it. Um, it's all about Tim Drake and what he sacrifices to be Robin and all these different opportunities and things he could do, but he can't because he's, he's Robin where like the other Robins all gain from being Robin, you know, like Dick Grayson was going to be an orphan and he gains this, you know, second family. Jason Todd was basically, you know, a street urchin, you know, he gains, you know, (laughs) um, Damien gains, from his father so much that he didn't get being raised by assassins, you know, but, but Tim is the one who actually has to, to sacrifice. He's the one who actually gives stuff up to be Robin, like none of the others. So I thought these two stories, the one that we're about to review now kind of really went well together to show like, here's Jason, this is what he gains. Here's Tim. Here's what he gives up and sacrifices. Yeah, so let's just get into this one. Uh, Tim Drake, Extra Credit, written by Adam Beechin and Freddie E. Williams II. I'm a big Freddie Williams fan. So right off the bat before we... Well, let's just get into the overall synopsis. Like Terrence is saying, it's about Tim's senior year of high school or right around that point and going into the new guidance counselor and figuring out what Tim is going to be doing, going to like probably Ivy University or whatever. And the guidance counselor is saying, well, you want to get into law enforcement, but you know, even with all your grades and that how smart you are, you don't have that thing that's going to catapult you to be able to stand out above the crowd or be the next thing, you know, are you really into sports? And like, no, I'm not really into sports. You know, do you do any extracurricular activities? No, I really don't do any of that. You know, schoolwork keeps it pretty busy. And all of these things that the guidance counselor is saying, well, well, do you do this thing? And it shows Tim actually doing that, but in his role as Robin, like doing something about science. And Tim's like, meh, science really isn't my thing. But you see Tim operating the all the the science equipment in the bat cave and then well what about sports and like well tim's not very agile but then you see him you know jumping across things and what about team building exercises and you see him part of the teen titans what about outreach helping you know maybe take care of kids and here is tim as robin battling the scarecrow saving a bunch of kids and all of these things going on and the guidance counselors and his secretary are saying you know 
it always just felt like Tim Drake is kind of hiding something. There's there's just something that's not is not quite coming out. He's kind of undermining his talents, and he they just hope he makes something of himself. And I thought this was just a a really fun story. And the thing I was going to say about Freddie Williams's art that I really liked in the latter part of the Robin run, especially in Search for a Hero, is probably another one of my favorite Tim Drake stories, is I loved his art, but this is done, kind of reminds me of latter-day Neil Adams in a way, and not necessarily in a bad way, but this feels like this belongs in a teenage Batman versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles book that he's doing with James Tynan, because it's done in that style. Yeah. So I have a hard time distinguishing, is this style done on purpose of like, well, this is currently how I'm drawing that, so I'll just kind of slot this in here, where it's clearly meant to fit in to the one year later, he's in the red and black costume, but is this like the sign of age? Like his art is just a little different. Is it deliberate? I still really like it, but I was really hoping for that classic Freddie Williams. I still enjoyed it. I really liked the story. The art was, was a little off from what I was expecting, but it, that doesn't mean I, I don't like it. So I thought this was a, a very cool Tim Drake story. Knowing that there's two in this book, this is probably my second favorite of the two and you know the next one will obviously might be my favorite tim drake story of the bunch but uh, uh what did you think of this ryan i thought it was really cool and, and i i wondered the same thing about the art i know that early on uh when when williams was doing his work on the robin series he was just i believe early on starting out um experimenting with uh digital art instead of hand penciling stuff mm-hmm. So I don't know if he's kind of one of these guys like um, like a Tony Daniel that's always constantly evolving and uh, adjusting his his technique and stuff like that. But yeah, it totally t- did remind me, like you said, of the uh, of some of his, of his more modern stuff, like like the TMNT versus Batman, you know, stuff. That's probably a good question. I wonder if he's on Twitter. We should just ask him and see if he has a good response because that, that that is a pretty interesting observation. Um, but. Uh, the Beach and Williams combination is great, and mm-hmm. um, I think where we I think we were we mentioned this off mic, but but uh, I started reviewing Robin, the Robin solo series for Batman on film right at the beginning when one year later started, which was this this team, this writer artist team. Yeah. So uh, so it brought me back um, quite a bit, um, and I love that. I love this place. My second favorite uh, Tim Drake Robin costume. It's really great, and um, I just thought it highlighted a lot of the best parts of of the character in a cool yeah. way. Because you get Tim Drake out of the costume, having to kind of hide who he is and what he does, but also gets to kind of in the like kind of flaunt who he is and what he does with uh, as Robin. So. It really worked for me, and I just like the, the the little point at the end where where they're like, yeah, I think he's hiding, I think he's holding himself back on purpose, but I don't know why, you know. <laughs> it's it's um, it's that perfect kind of um, part of that Robin solo series when they kind of were hitting really good balance of him of him of Tim Drake being a kind of a DC Spider Man in terms of the, the the teenage high school kid that's a normal kid mostly, but has to get out at night and also be a superhero. Um, so I thought that was 
thought that was pretty great. And I did kind of like that one panel where they had to split Tim Drake Robin between you know two oh, different ti- yeah. two different Titans teams. So you got to see him kind of in both cost- outfits. I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, uh, Terrence. Yeah, that was neat. The split because it was it's got like Deathstroke right in the back, and the split is right along his mask, which is already split. So that was kind of cool. Um, yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, in two thousand and six, when um, Beechin and Williams were on the book, I wasn't reading it. So those are some of the books that I'm going to have to catch up and read. So we're getting to the next Tim Drake story. This is Boys Wonder with James Tynan in the fourth writing it and. I've always mispronounced this name, Javier Fernandez, if I'm saying that correctly. So, <laughs> and, this, and the, you put the S on the wrong part of the title, and I and I did. <laughs> it's boy wonders, and you said boys wonder. Boys, boys wonder. <laughs> what do boys wonder boys. about? <laughs> yeah. uh, to quote Tim, so, oh, catch trouble. me unawares. So, yeah, um, oh, I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> so this is going back. This is actually a prequel story to James's. Detective Comics run. So this is right after Tim has ditched the glider wing costumes. And it's one of the very first things that he talks about. (laughs) Says, I've got to say, the feeling is good to fly without wings and why he is wearing this costume. And it also makes reference to why he is wearing the second R onto his chest. Because the Prince of Darkness took the job, so he just added the second R onto his costume. So this is in Rebirth continuity. Like I said, this is in that timeline for James. And this is Tim kind of rediscovering himself being back in his Robin costume again and is going around to each of the former Robins and kind of getting their perspective on Tim's next big move. Like, okay, Batman has asked me to be back in Gotham. I'm wearing my quasi-classic costume again and get some advice from Dick Grayson while they're on the top of a subway train, which makes me feel very much like an issue of Dixon that he wrote where Tim and Dick are on top of a subway having like a a sparring match where they're both uh, blindfolded. So that kind of felt like home a little bit there and get some advice about Tim of like, you know, do you want to go back to school? You know, there's choices that you need to do. You're the smartest of all of us and you need to, you know, do which, do what you think a bit, what is best for you. And then he goes to work with red hood and Jason's like, no F him, you know, you're one of the best of us as protégés and says, you know, you're a good fighter. You need to do this, that, or the other. And, you know, you can, you can make the choices for yourself and, you know, screw what Batman says. And then of course he goes to work with the Prince of darkness being Damien and Damon kind of gives him essentially the same advice too and says what do you want to do with your life that that should be your call you need to put your best foot forward and you offer what you think needs to be not what you think each one of us is going to tell you so this brings Tim to go to the bat cave and tells Bruce well if we're going to put this team together and I'm going to be back in Gotham City, then I've got this idea for the Gotham Knights protocol that he wants to call it. And this is the team that I think we should use. So rather than Batman putting the team together and Batwoman, it's actually Tim going to Bruce and saying, this is the team that I want of spoiler Batwoman, you, me, Cassandra Kane, and of course, Clayface. So I thought this was a really cool story. 
This is actually my favorite story of the book, and the Grummet and uh, Wolfman story was a very close second for me, but uh, I think a lot of you know how much I liked Tynan's run and detective, so what did you guys think about James revisiting the rebirth era of his detective comics run? Let's start with Terrence. Yeah, I, I liked it too. Um, probably not my favorite like yours, Rob, but I did really like it. I love the the dig about the wings right at the start, and I love seeing. Um, <laughs> I really like this re- uh, Red Robin costume, and I like Batman finally in the um, the rebirth costume at yeah. the end. It's too little, too late. You knew there had to be a story in here like like this in in the eightieth where they kind of talk about each Robin and what they do and and what they like, and I thought it was a good. Not really twist, but a good take that it was actually coming from another Robin, that it was actually Tim Drake who was kind of giving you the breakdown on each each Robin and their strengths and weaknesses. And I liked, um, I, I guess it's the second page, um, the very last panel, he says it's it's a rebirth. And then, you know, mm-hmm. right from rebirth, and you can see the, the tower that was part of like the, the Anton first redesign of Gotham in the, the late 80s, early 90s. I, I liked it too. If you were a huge fan of the detective run, a big part of that was what is Tim Drake going to do? Is he going to stay Red Robin, or is he going to go to Gotham University, or you know, some kind of Rhodes Scholar kind of thing? And then seeing the team at the end was um, really cool, and it, it, it kind of kind of made me want to reread that run of Detective Comics again after <laughs> after it. So mm-hmm. it kind of made me wish there was a little bit more too. Ryan, yeah, that's. This this is easily my favorite story in the book too, just because I totally, I mean we're clearly huge fans of that run. There's a giant what three and a half hour podcast we all podcast, did right. for, for Batman on film, where we talked about every single um, arc in the uh, in the run. Yeah, I just loved it from from beginning to end, and um, I love the, the the dig right at the beginning. It basically said. Boy, I'm sh- I'm glad I'm not in that continuity anymore. Like <laughs> right. it's, in my Hank Hill reads comics voice, it's just like it's great. It's one of those things where it's like it's like something that Jeff Johns does a good job of too, where that Tynan kind of kind of takes here, where it's something the character would say, but it also addresses the continuity, but it also makes sense, and it's all mm-hmm. just wrapped up in in one thing. Um, you could read this story as kind of a prologue to Tynan's detective comics run and not yeah. really have anything spoiled for you. No, um, no. Especially if you're a Tim Drake fan, cause it sets up the whole thing. Um, and it explains the, the red Robin is, I mean, it is really puts him in a good spot for that series. And that series is so, um, team focused that having this thing prior is really cool because it, um, it's just it's all about Tim Drake and his place in that and getting the other perspective getting the perspective of the other Robins prior mm-hmm. to the events of that uh that arc is a really cool thing to have. And especially later on in that arc, we had they, they we had some uh flashbacks to this same kind of time period also, I believe, right? Yep. Um so this would fall right in line with that if somebody if you tried to make if somebody tried to make some sort of uh continuity spreadsheet of like read this then read this scene in this book later in the run if you try to make it in chronological order or something it would be cool and yeah seeing the whole team at the end I was just like ah I just dang it 
Yeah, what a too, too bad there's no too bad there's no Azrael in there, but it it makes sense because he wasn't part of the team or right. or Batwing or Batwing. So um, that that was the one thing I thought. Oh, there's not Azrael, but I started thinking, like you said, oh, this is before they would have yeah. shown up. But yeah, yeah. So I thought this was that was really good. Uh, let's move on to the next one. Stephanie Brown, Robin Four in fitting in, and I thought the like the title of this literally kind of <laughs> kind of works its way in. So this could kind of fit right in that time frame when Tim quits being Robin and Stephanie Brown comes in. And this is like day one of her of her becoming Robin. Before <laughs> she goes out, she's getting she's literally putting on Tim's costume and she has like a dear diary entry of of what's going on. And I forgot to tell you who the artists were in here. Uh, this is uh, Wolfram. I would keep on saying Wolfman. Uh, Damien Scott and uh, Brad Anderson's doing the colors. I like the colors. I haven't been saying who the colors is, but the colors are really good in this. And yeah. again, this feels like it's right in with the Robin ongoing series that you could slot this right in there. And she's having a problem with the costume. It's not quite fitting in all the right places, and it's starting to kind of tear in a couple spots uh, because of some batarangs that Batman's like, hey, you got to be on point. And to top it all off, she's getting a wedgie from from the costume. Like, can't we make some type of upgrade? So they're, they're giving her a digital scan, and this gives the explanation of why she ends up wearing more of a skirt than... Uh, everything else, and they're making sure that uh, the the breastplates are in the right spot. It's supportive for, and who's the first person she goes up against? It's Firefly, and they're already kind of putting that in there, which is in the story that Stephanie's really not quite listening to what Batman is saying, but it ends up kind of working out for her. She gets captured by Firefly. She's put on this roller coaster at the. Uh, fairgrounds. She gets out of the trap, and her and Batman have a discussion later on. Like, if I'm, don't try and make me conform into what Tim is. Let me be my own Robin. If not, then I was already doing this crime fighting stuff before becoming Robin. I can just do it again. And uh, we have been talking about some of the pinups, but uh, uh, Nicola Scott does a really beautiful pinup of Stephanie Brown Robin. I think it's the first time she's ever drawn uh, Stephanie Brown. So Robin fitting in. Um, I I liked this story. I thought it it did well. It serviced Stephanie Brown's time as Robin, and it wasn't a like oh we'll put Stephanie Brown in here, but we'll we'll make it a spoiler thing. They didn't pull like. A Grayson thing, like, oh, well, we're going to do a spoiler story. And yes, she was Robin. They literally made her Robin in this story. And she also gets a a full cover, a variant cover as well. So what did you think of this, Ryan? I mean, for a Robin that was only Robin for, what, six months or less? Yeah, barely. I think it was like... Five, four? Five. Yeah. Yeah. Five if you're lucky. Yeah. Um, for Robin that had such a short tenure, I thought this was a really cool story um, because there's not that much room to play with continuity-wise in terms right. of the stories. You could tell because this one really did come across as a gimmick at the time. I remember even when this came out, it felt like... This will be an interesting time period to cover when we get to it on the yeah. show. Um 
Maybe we can bring in some cool special guests or something for that, you know, 87 years from now when we get right. there. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, uh, I thought that was, this was a cool angle to take to, to kind of see like, I mean, it definitely does put Batman in a whole different perspective. It, it, it is kind of the same, kind of the same kind of stuff that we get when we see Batman interact with, uh, Carrie Kelly, but that's a, that's a different Batman. It's an older Batman. This is like, main continuity regular batman and mm-hmm. and um and this stephanie is somebody that has a his already has a history with batman as spoiler you know like um it's just uh and uh, like at this point when she's robin does she she knows who bruce does she know who tim is at this point surely she does right like she knows tim is robin yes yep okay okay, okay. Yep. well that's good so so yeah i mean it's it's interesting like she's gone through all this stuff as spoiler now she's finally getting trusted as you know she's finally been let in on everything but you're right there are some if you know what happens to her you know all the robins tragedy happens to them so um you know what happens to her then it it you do see some of those things kind of um you know it might get your attention as you read the book yeah. So, and you but were yeah. right. I counted it up. Five months. She was right. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it, it, it had some cool elements to it. It definitely struck a different tone. It was cool that they got the same like artists back and stuff, um, because it you know like some of the other stories like the uh, you know like the Chuck Dixon Scott McDaniel story. It definitely makes it feel like you can slot this right in mm-hmm. to the time, and it would make sense. Terrence. Yeah. Um Kind of like what you said about the Tom King story. I didn't mind this story. There's not a lot you can do with eight pages, so just having like a little bit of how she got the costume um, was kind of kind of neat. Um, I'm not a huge fan of this art style, although I do think it is cool to see it again because it it does bring you back to 2006. Um, but then the pinup at the end by uh, Nicola Scott and Annette Kowalk. Um, that's really cool. I saw that and I'm like, oh man, I wish I wish they had done the story <laughs> because yeah. but you know, it doesn't maybe what you can do in a pinup is maybe not what you can do in eight pages, I don't know. But um yeah, she, like Ryan said it she's a tough one cuz she was Robin for um such a short time, but um you know, it she deserved a place in this book because of what she means being, you know, the female Robin. And it, it either had to be her or Carrie Kelly. And the Carrie Kelly story would be a lot harder to do. And you, they might have even needed permission from Frank Miller or, you know, that whole kind of thing. So it's definitely, um, I think it's definitely a cool nod um, to her. And if you were not quite up in your Robin knowledge and you read this book, which I'm sure some people might do, um, they'd probably make you think, wait, there was a, there was a girl, Robin, what was this? And, and want to know more about this time period. So, um, but yeah, it wasn't that bad. All right. We've got two books left. Uh, Super Sons in My Best Friend by Peter Tomasi and Jorge Jimenez. So this is the classic Super Sons team back together. And this real, excuse me, hiccups tonight. This really makes me miss the Super Sons book. That was such a fun book. And Terrence and I talked about it off mic with Bendis and aging of John Kent and all that stuff. This makes me long for this version 
of the team to be back together. So who knows? And this is from the perspective of uh, John Kent has to essentially write a paper about uh, his best friend. And John is just recounting all of their adventures together as two friends, uh, potentially frenemies at the beginning. But as John's writing the story is Damien's always had his back and has always been there. And their, their fathers have a different type of friendship than the two of them, but they have literally, literally become each other's best friends and have each other's back. And John ends up falling asleep towards the tail end of him writing this story about his best friend and Damien is able to kind of peek at it a little bit, but instead of making fun of him, he says, Hey, I'm here. Do you want to go out and uh, patrol the city together? And John can't wait to get in a super boy costume. And the two of them go uh, flying off through the uh, city streets together. So this was a fun story. Again, this made me really miss the super sons title and it made me miss the chemistry that uh, Tomasi had been working on since the new 52 building Damien into this more likable character and giving him somebody like his personality with Dick is really good. And that's kind of what I expected. It may be a Dick and Damien story, but uh, him getting paired with uh, John, I think just really sets it in the right spot. So yeah, I, I dug this story. Uh, what did you think about this one, Terrence? Yeah. Um, Again, uh, oh man, it was so good because the Super Sons was such a fun title. I mean, when you talk about rebirth, um, you talk about like just bringing back that fun and that joy and that that light to comics and our heroes not being you know just mopey sobs who hate life and are just just a tad <laughs> better than the villain as they wake up and are aching and pop pills with their whiskey. <laughs> I'm talking to you. Batman, Superman, you know, yeah. So the, the, you know, like that's not what I I want. So, but um, I guess we could talk about this too. It, it's surprising what was not in this book, you know. It, considering that you know Brian Michael Bendis has taken the Super Sons and Jonathan Kent in a whole other direction, that to have this in it, not like this, just be like a um, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is. The book really pays tribute to what's come before it and just doesn't feel like an ad for, hey, buy this DC book that's coming out, buy that DC book coming out. So, you know, I commend them to, to do this and not even, you know, have, you know, a 45-year-old a Jonathan Kent or how old is he now, <laughs> you know? And then, hey, I had a question. 87. This might be, yeah, yeah. Off, the, off the rails here. Did On the other <laughs> thing we were talking about, um, was Tim Drake – did he quit as Robin, or was he fired by Batman when Stephanie Brown took he, over? He quit because Bruce outed Tim to Stephanie before oh. Tim, Tim got to. So he was okay. ticked and also kind of meddling in with his dad at the same time. So he's like, screw you, I'm out of here, and just up and quit. Okay, I couldn't remember. All right, thanks. Ryan, what you got for Super Sons? Uh, I to echo everything you guys said. I could read Super Sons until I'm a hundred. That I mean, mm-hmm. just I love that. Um, I love that 
uh, I love that Tomasi style. I love the way he writes um, those characters, you know, and he just had just such a good setup. Uh, that whole era too, just like hit the Tomasi uh, Superman, and then Tomasi writing Super Sons. Um, it's one of those things where at first I'm like, I hate Damien, and oh man, Superman has a kid, and uh, oh, they're making a book, and they're both together. That's kind of goofy. But then you read it, and you're like, I love this. This is amazing. <laughs> they're adorable, and yeah, like it's like Batman and Robin, but like cooler as a pair because they're not. And they're opposites. I mean, all the cool stuff that you... The the reason why people like the Batman-Superman pairing is apparent in Super Sons. Yes. And it's a whole different angle on it, and it's and it's still really valid, and it's just got a lot of really cool mechanics to that, uh, to that framework that Tomasi gave it. And it was, uh, it was delightful to go back to that for a little bit. Um, just to go off the rails again for a second, did you guys uh, read the 12 issue Adventures of the Super Sons? I think I made it about halfway through it. I did. I finished it a couple of days ago, and it's just oh, okay. as good as the Super Sons uh, was. So, like, revisiting it even after a little pause that they did, I thought, eh, is it going to lose something? It picks right back up. It's as strong as the first series was. Cool. So yeah, I mean it was really cool. And 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 the, you know the way that this was uh written reminded me a lot of the Jeff Loeb Batman Superman series because mm, yeah. Uh, when you read that, it's always like you, sp- you you know, you see Batman's you know, um inner monologue and Superman's inner monologue during the same situation, so they always have this conflicting dialogue. So you kind of get some vibes of that when you see like Jonathan Kent's like um when he, you see his his story that he's writing just superimposed over the events of uh of you know the 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 story here and it's just a cool it's a cool pairing i just it's so much fun and it's it's a shame that we're nowhere near that <laughs> right yeah. now in the current comics I mean, how cool is the page of the two of them eating burgers on oh top of a rooftop? I mean, I'm like, I want a, I want a movie of this. I want a something. I want to animate a movie or a yes or, gosh, that would be such a cool thing to have, like in the DC animated continuity, if they were able to make that work. But man, you can hear the the D bagness and Damien, but also being endearing at the same time when he was like, yeah, that's a, a hard home. line to 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 get to right it's a yeah. hard line to take and but they it's a it's perfectly balanced the way that he does it yeah well we've got one more book damien wayne son of batman in bat and mouse and these are a list of creators i have known who everybody else is but robbie thompson and raymond valanobos if i'm saying that correctly if i'm familiar with their work i I don't even know if I don't recognize them by name and the artwork looks familiar, but I'm thinking uh, it reminds me more of Frank quietly more than I it thought does. it was Frank quietly. Cause I was like, Ooh, they got Frank quietly for this. And then I looked it up the artist. I'm like, Oh, it's not him. Yeah. Yeah. Or Chris so, Burnham who looks a lot. Remember Chris Burnham? Yeah. 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 So, and yeah. So yep. yeah. And I'm kind of, and that's something we can get to at the tail end as we wrap up. So as, 
Terrence was saying, you know, they're not doing a whole bunch of stories that, hey, you need to, uh, this is an ad for what's future is coming in DC. This is the only story that is technically that. This encapsulates events that are going on Teen Titans currently right now between Damien and Bruce. And they're off to a rocky uh, relationship uh, would take too long to go through all of it, but some events have transpired through Teen Titans, and Damon is purposely avoiding his father. And this is the first time that you know Damien's setting out holograms throughout Gotham City. So anytime that Bruce is trying to keep tabs on Damien, they're always coming up as a hologram, or it's a decoy, or it's something else. And Bruce has finally been able to catch up with Damien, and the two of them take on a series of robots and. The dialogue is the biggest thing, and it's basically all like thought bubbles or thought squares, if you will, of things like questions. I thought he was dead, and then that's from Batman. It says questions uh, back at it again. That's the problem. Like they're they're not speaking to each other. And one moment where Bruce and Damien are looking at each other face to face, going, "This is the moment to say something," where it's that perfect moment in time if you don't say something right now you can probably start to mend a bridge but neither of them chooses to say anything and because bruce doesn't make the first opportunity to say something and lets damien walk off and damien's eternal monologue is like well just like before silence and it's also addressing damien or alfred pennyworth's death and damien has this device to almost wipe the minds of criminals. Like rather than rinse, lather, repeat, I'm going to essentially wipe the mind of this crook. So there's no rinse, lather, repeat. They just get to be an empty shell themselves and problem solved. So this is the only one that says to be continued in teen Titans annual number two and Robin and Batman collide. And the trade dress for that one is Damien's Robin costume on the ground and it says Robin no more question mark. So much like Detective Comics 1000 the Arkham Knight story in Detective Comics 1000 was like hey here's the next thing going on in the current Batman book in this case this is the next thing going on in the current Robin uh, book being Teen Titans. So what did you guys think of the final story in this for Damian Wayne and the closing of the book. Let's start with Terrence on this one. Yeah, this this one was okay, but it felt more like an ad, especially with mm-hmm. that little ending there. Um, it, it it did remind me a bit of um, the the um, shoot Grant Morrison. I'm blanking on his name. I want to call him Frank Miller for a second. <laughs> the Grant Morrison Batman and Robin run, which I absolutely loved. And I, I as I was reading it, though, I was kind of like, ah, you know, I, I kind of would have preferred just get Grant Morrison. But you know, like, you know, I don't know if, how easy or hard that would have been. But I think I would have preferred, you know, a Grant Morrison, either him or that style of Batman and Robin, give me a, you know, Dick Grayson as Batman. If you're going to give me uh, Dick Grayson as Agent 37, which he was for a little bit, give me a, one of them as Batman. He was Batman twice as Prodigal and in the, the Grant Morrison run. Uh, give me something like that. Um, one of my favorite 
things about um, that run was the chemistry between Dick Grayson and Damian Wayne, and we we didn't get that. So, uh, you know, if this story was not in the 80th, I would have been okay if it was just the <laughs> the 92 page <laughs> celebration of Robin. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, uh, Ryan. Yeah, this this one I could kind of take or leave. It's got cool elements. I like the way it opens and closes, and there's some cool um, gotchas where you know Damien thinks he's got the upper hand on Batman, but that's maybe not the case. But oh, is it the case? But you got to read the annual to find out. I mean, that's the part that I, I mean, yeah. they could have you could have retrofitted this story to not be a uh, advertisement for another story, and in a book that you know, kind of deserves to be its own standalone thing. I mean, Detective did it too, so you can't really complain that much, but I'm going to because uh, because we can get, I don't know how much we want to get into it, but like, this is the Robin 80th anniversary, 100 Pay Super Spectacular, and there's a, there's a couple more things they could have had in here um, to celebrate some other Robins than having, um, you know, uh, another... Damian Wayne story, or maybe a Damian Wayne story that had a little bit more meat to it instead of yeah. it being a being an ad for for the next event or something. Well, but before we close this out, let's actually talk briefly just for the next few minutes about s- stuff that you would have liked to have seen that maybe you don't necessarily like. Okay, I would have put this in and taken that story out, like this Damian one, and then the Titans story. I'm like, I think there were two other stories or two other things like you had mentioned you know where was the cowled version of red robin at yeah. or like arguably that didn't that era of of tim drake as red robin last longer than grayson agent grayson yes yeah yep. see that's what i'm saying 26 issues up to grayson's 21 19 sure. something like that but yeah, I thought there were some some other things that could have been like other other creators that have been through the whole history. I know Perez has really cut down on his stuff, but there weren't like in Detective Comics, you got some pinups every now and then, and there was only like very few pinups in there. And the last few pages in this book are more of the history lesson of the Robins of like, people are like, well, who's, who's such and such. The only, I thought that was cool. How it does yeah. kind of go through all of, all of those Robins. Yeah. The only Carrie Kelly appearance is a pinup and my gosh, uh, out of all the variant <laughs> of, of all the variant covers, the Carrie Kelly is the last is one. Is that pinup the same as the co- variant cover? No, no, it's okay, a, a different, a different cover. The, oh, it's got the lightning strike or something. Yeah. It? Oh, yep. Okay. It's the one, you know, from like the Dark Knight Returns, Sans the Batman. But uh, yeah, this pose is. I'm like, if this is the reason why there's no Carrie Kelly story in it, they're like, all right, we'll give you a pinup. And I think you and I, Ryan, were talking. Like, they could have done, found a way to weave a Carrie Kelly story in here somewhere. And I, I can fully support that. But, uh, you know, there isn't one. And the only other pinup in here, other than the Nicholas uh, Scott one, is by Andy Kubert, which I've always liked Andy Kubert's yeah. uh, artwork, and that's all the Robins here, and um, with Stephanie, Tim, Dick, 
Jason and Damien and no Carrie and no others, but some other Robins, like there's no Helena Wayne Robin from earth Two during the new 52 or the Dick Grayson of earth Two when he was wearing like the yellow pants. So there's some different versions. They pretty much stayed main continuity in the book, but you know, Terrence, you had said earlier about, you know, give me something in the Wolfman Perez teen Titans era. Uh, there was really no, and I was kind of surprised there was no like classic 1950s type of, you know, Robin story. It stayed pretty much modern, but I think that's what a lot of these 100-page special-type books have done. But uh, what other things were on your guys' mind, just of other things that maybe they could have added or, you know, uh, taken away and replaced? Do uh, you have anything, uh, Terrence? Um, yeah, like I said, the Grant Morrison run would have been cool. Um, maybe a Jeff John story with... Um Teen Titans, his kind of run. That would have been which cool. Was, oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was represented a little bit in the um, the the what Freddie Williams art, but yeah. to have to have a story, maybe a um, a Young Justice like the original Young Justice, where it was yeah. just Impulse, Superboy, mm-hmm. and Robin, might have been a little bit better than say like the Dick Grayson versus Hive and Damian Dark story. Um, but, uh, you know, overall, you know, like it's 80 years of history. So it's, 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 you know, got to catch something. Um, I, I probably would have liked to have seen maybe a little bit more of the flying Graysons, but that's just me. Cause I love the flying mm. Graysons. We, mm. we saw like the newspaper article that he, he was looking at. Um, the, the thing I was kind of surprised too, is what was not in here that it wasn't just an, you know, 80 page ad for all the these DC stuff, you know, there wasn't any really Brian Michael Bendis, Young Justice kind of tie-ins. That's, so no yeah, Rick that Grayson. is a little surprising. Yeah. Or Drake. There's not a Drake story. Drake. Uh, yeah, yeah, I th- totally thought there was going to be a Drake story in here. <laughs> yeah, uh, thinking of some of the other stuff going on right now, the, you know, uh, the Year of the Villain stuff and all that. It wasn't just a, you know... Uh, it didn't just feel like a giant advertisement for other comics to buy. It really, it really did feel like a celebration of Robin's career. So for that, I, I commend DC. It was was pretty awesome. Uh, you got anything, Ryan? Uh, yeah. So like the things that jumped out to me was like, yeah, the the Carrie Kelly thing. Um, just because she's got one main story, and she's of course a big part of the Dark Knight two and three, but she's mm-hmm. not Robin anymore in those. Um, they called because she's a really important culturally, maybe not in terms of the appearances in mainline comic continuity, but, but still, but still that, that jumped out the red, the red Robin in, you know, with the hood definitely jumped out, but especially cause we've had, um, you know, that creative team, you know, um, on Twitter, uh, has been t- voicing their disappointment <laughs> and not being asked to be part of this. And that, that is a little disappointing because... And maybe they'll be on the show, uh, crossing fingers. <laughs> yeah, maybe. That'd be awesome. And the other thing that I thought would have been really cool is if they would have got... If they would have done a Batman 66 Robin only story. I was done really kind of surprised in that st- art style. In that art style, uh, because they've had the Batman 66 comics. They could have got like that... Jeff Parker, Richard Case, like team or something like that, yeah. and, and done a really cool pop art type of 
Batman 66 story that was really Robin heavy. Um, just because they've got that precedent with their other books right now that they've done. And, um, that Robin is such a huge part of the legacy of the character and they have comic book precedent now. So that would have been a really cool thing to have it mm-hmm. stuck in the middle of this book. I thought, and that would have slotted. I think I would have probably liked that over the, the Titans story. Right. Cause even though that, yes, Dick's part of the Titans and, and I get it, but it's not like you said earlier, that's not really servicing Dick Grayson as a character. It's more, it's more a footnote of like, Oh, here's just an atypical adventure that Dick Grayson is having with the Titans. Not something that's really overly underlining uh, his importance in the Titans. Right. Right. But, uh, so for the price point of $9 and 99 cents, you might as well call it 10 bucks be it that you bought five copies of the book, three copies of the book, two copies of the book. Was this worth the price point for you? If you're like, all right, I'm just going to go out and buy one cover, whatever they have, this better be worth the 10 bucks that I, that I'm paying for it. Do you feel that you got your 10 bucks worth of story? Ryan? Absolutely. I thought it was a, it was a fun celebration um, I haven't really, <laughs> I'm really behind on my comics, so uh, it was fun to go to the physical comic shop and get it curbside delivered and get a cool cover and get a lot of stories written and illustrated by a lot of comic book legends and have them have the story slot into these different points in continuity and getting to talk about it uh, with, with you guys. I mean, I think that's definitely uh, more than worth, uh, worth the 10 bucks. Terrence. Yeah, definitely. I This is thinking about, like, oh, I wonder if we're going to do an 80th anniversary show. We'll have to come up with something. And it wasn't even wasn't even sinking into my head that this book is going <laughs> to come out. I'm like, I knew well, it was for a while, up. we didn't know if it was going to be like reprints of other older stories or new right. stuff. Yeah. And I will say of the 100-page Giants or the thousandth anniversary issues that have come out in the last couple of years. I really dug the Superman action comics 1000. Um, I've heard a lot of good things about the wonder woman issue. That's going to be coming out. Uh, the flash one I think is kind of hit or miss. And then this Robin one detective comics. I think if I was ranking them, Rick Shue, if you're out there, um, <laughs> I think I would probably put Robin Action Comics, then Detective Comics 1000, being like those are the th- the three bigger ones. And I haven't really read Wonder Woman or the uh, the Flash one, but all the fun things about Robin are really encapsulated pretty well through this whole book. And I feel like there were more stories in Detective that I was like, oh, this is a good one. That was all right. This was all right. That was a good one. Um, and I bought way more covers <laughs> for Detective Comics. I can't even remember any of the stories in Detective Comics. Now, I read it once when it came out, but Batman's, I'm trying to think. Batman's first case where, uh, you know, he's... Uh, got, oh, got oh the, there was like a bunch following of detectives. Those bread, yeah, he was following those breadcrumbs through his entire career. Entire, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I mean... Like, yeah. Um, I like that. The story. Th- this is over detective yeah. and, the, for me. and the Kevin Smith yeah. story. We can't stop hearing about. Oh, yeah. but Matt Reeves is an original. He just copied Kevin Smith's Kevin. Batman story. Yeah, oh, God. 
iLix is really good. If you haven't picked it up, it would be it digitally or digital is great to have as, as a quick go to, but I think this is one just to go out to your local comic book store when you get the opportunity, obviously when you feel safe enough to, I think they're going to have plenty of copies of this, but this is one. If you're a Robin fan, like the rest of us, this is something definitely to go check out and, uh, celebrate your love for Robin and, uh, you know, maybe while you're home and got nothing better to do, you can kind of read, uh, some really cool Robin stories that help celebrate 80 years of the character. So this has been a long recording for us tonight, multiple sessions to get this through, but that's what we do on this show. So, uh, if you guys have anything else to add before we chime out, no, thanks for bearing with me and technical difficulties, but you know, <laughs> it's yeah, after we made it work. Yep. yep, we made it work. So on the behalf of my host, Terrence and Ryan, I'm Robin. You've been listening to the BatmanUniverse.net. And more importantly, you've been listening to Robin celebrating 80 years this year. We will see you guys next time. Take care. Bye. Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake podcast. This has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all Batman-related characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for entertainment purposes, so no infringement is intended by this show. This show is not a good revenue stream. Actually, there's not a stream at all. All music and sound clips are under copyright by their respected copyright holders. So there should be no need to send the Penguins lawyers after us for ill-gotten gains because there are none. You can get a hold of the show a few different ways. We are on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. You can also email in at Robin ELTD Podcast at Yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And as always, you can message directly over at the BatmanUniverse.net. So email, tweet, or message us. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll read your comments or responses on the show. The show you're listening to can be found a few different ways through iTunes and Windows Media. Also over at our host, TVU. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It'll help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We'll see you in a few weeks. Take care. <laughs>